live. Done it. Welcome, episode twenty of the Main Stand podcast with the boys. It's our first episode Happy New back Year. from the holidays. Happy New Year! Welcome back, boys. Uh, Welcome back. Welcome back. How's everybody's holiday? Mitch, <laughs> from a footy perspective, not ideal, I'd say. Uh, Nice to reset. Nice to uh, ring in the new year, though. Hang, uh, hung out with some friends. Had a great time. We played some cards uh, with a with a huge group of people over the over the break. So it was good. It was good. It's good. To, yeah, it was a it was a good break. I got an air fryer and hey, I did too. Nice. Air, dude. Fryer, air fryer, dude. Elite. It makes me feel like I'm way better at cooking than I actually am. <laughs> we all i also got a sick modello set that uh we're gonna break out on a live podcast i think pretty soon so i'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to yeah i went out to minnesota uh so little frequent flyer miles for me but uh pretty relaxing i would say it's nice to kind of get away from soccer for a couple weeks after the world cup only kind of be focused on it i guess like when liverpool is playing um so yeah nice to have a little reset Oh yeah, definitely. You kind of need that too, man. Like getting older and I need those few days of just like nothing, you know, it has been a slower kind of restart. I think for me, like, especially with that care about cup game kind of first (laughs) to get back into things. And we've had three prem games. It's been coming kind of thick and fast, but the games, like I've been able to kind of put them away in terms of like emotion, like right after the game's done and kind of just move on at least this week. So that Carabao yeah. Cup game was hilarious. It was. It was quite funny. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it was uh, just funny. It was a clusterfuck right now. It, we'll get into it. Um, but first thing I think we all want to talk about, it's the thing on everyone's mind um, today and the past couple days is the drama with the U.S. men's national team, um, the soap opera that is the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, speaking of clusterfucks. Yeah. How, Honestly, how do we want to break? Do most... we want to break this down right from the beginning, or do you want to just give your yeah, reaction let's, to the let's, news today? Let's give the people some background information for for those that, that might be listening and are not totally akin yeah. to what's going on. So basically, um, Burhalter's contract, which expired at the new year, um, it kind of just goes without mention from u.s soccer um so everyone's kind of sitting there on january 1st wondering if he's renewed if he's still our manager nothing really comes of it until yesterday uh when we do get a full statement from the u.s um soccer team saying that there's some sort of investigation everything's really vague um and saying that they're still going to evaluate greg berhalter um and actual team's performance after this investigation basically is complete at the same time Greg Berhalter makes a Twitter account, or his PR team does, and he releases his own statement, um, basically getting in front of blackmail about him and his wife, uh, Rosa Lind, I believe is her name, Yep. Um, an incident that happened 30 years between them, and we don't need to rehash really many of the details, just a domestic kind of violence incident 30 years ago, um, seems like they've moved past it, they're happily married, um, and so on and basically the the statement from greg was saying that um people were reaching out to u.s soccer multiple people not just greg and kind of blackmailing releasing information about him um there wasn't really i guess much information on what would happen if it 
didn't or what he needed to do to make sure uh, the information didn't get released until we find out today that Claudio Reyna and Danielle Reyna, his wife, who was teammates with Rosalind at University of North Carolina, played soccer with her roommates, um, were the ones behind it. So I just did my spiel. I'll let you guys react first. So the Reynas say they did not were not or not did not but were not the ones to initially feed that information to the u.s soccer federation and that linda brought it up on a call when talking about greg's comments on her son and that you know she used the the term like she was disappointed that burhalter couldn't move past it because she moved past this incident with uh, his wife and Claudio made a statement basically saying that he never told them anything in an attempt to blackmail Burhalter, but he backed the statement that his wife made. So they're saying it wasn't them, but they brought it back up essentially, I, I think is what they're trying to say. I don't know. To me, this A looks really bad from the standpoint of we just came off a pretty positive world cup all things considered performance could have been a little better but aside from that we played outside of expect or above a lot of people's expectations for this team we were kind of moving in the right direction yeah Berhalter was going to renew but like whatever it felt like there were positive steps taken it was a good world cup those little positive press around the performance of these of these guys this, this really talented group of guys that went to Qatar and then to find out that all of this has unfolded, A, it really leaves a bitter taste in your mouth just around U.S. men's soccer as a whole. And it really, really makes it difficult for me to get behind Gio Reyna being in the team. I get he's talented, and I, I get he had his issues with Burhalter, but for his family and his camp to be doing things like that, it's really difficult for me to want him back in the camp it's equally difficult for for me to see him coming back to a men's national team camp you know his his mom is like she gives off mean soccer mom energy making comments like that and doing things like that and it's it's really difficult to stomach but ultimately i i don't think gio reyna should be back in this team just given the, the the full context around what's happening and it's it's terrible that it had to be like this but what if the next coach doesn't like geo or what if he has attitude problems with the next coach is is mama reina gonna dig up dirt on you know this colorado rapids coach who's only won six games in his entire career who's the head coach for our january camp which is a whole different bag of worms we went from greg to a fucking guy that couldn't win 10 games with the colorado rapids that applies to him on a club level too like um I think this is ultimately going to lead to a lateral move from him in terms of like moving from Dortmund to a club like maybe Lille or Lyon or something that's kind of like parallel instead of upwards. Um, mm. Because you have to think the managers are going to have some sort of opinion on him now, uh, having this so young in his career, along with the plethora of injuries he's gone through. It's difficult, that, man. It's, it's it's difficult to see a way up for him. Yeah, that and I, 
to me, it just kind of feels like personal drama bubbled up after a long time that's being aired on the on the public national stage. Like they have such an intertwined close relationship, um, and and to have it eat over, spill over, and I think, um, I I just kind of feel like it's a personal situation. Like growing up in a small town, you have this this consistently in American sports, especially where parents are coaches or there's personal relationships between the, the, the coaches and, and the players and, and the, fr- like it's generational. So when you see this close group of college friends have such a personal event happen so far back in time, and now it's affecting what's happening now with a player's future Yes, Geo could have probably had a better attitude in the camp and it wouldn't have even led to all this personal laundry being aired, but I I think it's kind of indicative of how America treats sports and how we see it as uh, likewise in in the small the small kind of communities growing up. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 is a really good point just the fact that Reina had this kind of established relationship with Berhalter in a way, or Berhalter at least had it with Reina's family. And then for all of that to kind of bubble up in the way that it did, the way you put it, Mitchell. Yeah. It's just, Oh, it sucks. It's such a fucking bad look for USF man. Or it's, USSF. It's so American. It's like mm-hmm. as American as it gets. And it's so frustrating to have a situation like this spill over after a, what I think most of us would consider a, a successful World Cup run. Yeah. Uh, um, a really positive step in the right direction for a young group of guys. And now it's kind of like, shit, I saw this happen all through like middle school and high school growing up. Now I'm seeing it at the U.S. men's national team level. And it's like, how the fuck do we stop these situations from happening? Like, look at what we're doing to somebody's personal life like it's it's your child are you black man and now eric winalda is involved in it too because he he put his name on it the worst human to get involved during like during the world cup run it's just like what the fuck is going on these adults are are acting like toddlers it's just it's really frustrating and i i wish it wasn't putting that sour taste in our mouths after and all, all things considered, pretty solid World Cup from the U.S. I agree, but let's let's look at it from the other side of the coin. France has plenty of blackmail <laughs> scandals, and they've won a yes. World Cup. So now yes. we get to play with the big boys. We're we're officially <laughs> one of them. Now we just need witch doctors, <laughs> pretty much. And then we're sold. We're there. It sort of epitomizes like soccer culture in America, like Mitch said, kind of with sports in general. Um, but like soccer in the rest of the world, it's not really like this with like clubs and AAU and travel and all this stuff. And they're really like, they, they seem like the epitome of soccer mom and, and dads, um, in America, you know, whining, coaching the team, all this stuff. And it, it really does suck to see at this high of a level. Um, again, especially with people as renowned as the Reina family. I mean, don't forget Claudio led us in two world cups and captain the side, like he should know something better about just like being a part of a team like that. And like, I don't know, it just kind of makes you feel sick that someone that's that intertwined with us soccer lore 
is willing to stoop that low uh, for the benefit of his own son and nepotism. Wasn't so, Berhalter in both of those yes. World Cup sides? Yeah, yeah. so – And they so played together Reyna, at a youth level too. Yeah, Reyna and Berhalter were teammates growing up. Berhalter's wife and Reyna's wife were roommates and teammates through college. And, like, it's just – it seems like such – like, if you if you remove – the situation of where they are and look at it as like, hey, a group of four college friends got into this situation, their kids playing, and like one of them's like managing the other kid's son, like it just screams stupidity. Yep. It screams like just just bad blood and personal dirty laundry airing that's all i can say about it and yeah, it's also the... go ahead pat oh, i was just saying it's unfortunate to say go ahead I, yeah, I, yeah. reyna is also the sporting director at austin fc so if this does get criminal or charges are pressed because you know it could actually be a case of blackmail um he's probably gonna lose his job in the mls you would have to think but it does i think i'm a little bit torn on gio reyna um earlier i was really mad I guess you don't know what involved. We'll never know because an investigation will never overturn it. What his right. involvement is with his parents, you know, spilling that info. If it was just his parents and it makes him look out to be an asshole, or if it was kind of like a whole family plot, we'll never know that. Um, but Reyna does come out of this looking like an ultimate brat. Uh, just his attitude throughout this whole tournament. I get it was frustrating, but you know we've obviously at Liverpool and Man City have saw players who don't necessarily get time. You can't put your head down and sulk. That's just not the way football works. So um, it is what it is. We'll probably move on. I wouldn't like to see him called up probably for the next couple windows just um, while this kind of dies down. Yeah, get his head right, get his fitness up, work his way back into the team. You know, pull a, pull a Benzema. <laughs> exactly. And also, let's not take away, too, from, like, the real victim of this is Burhalter's wife. Um, has nothing in this besides being – his spouse and is having her own dirty laundry and past trauma experiences right. put in the public, you know, sector. You know, the U.S. We'll, we'll recover as a U.S. men's fan base. Um, the stuff she's had to deal with in the past forty-eight hours um, will be much harder. So, yeah, you know, thoughts and stuff go out to her. Yeah, completely agree. All all the main stand is with her. Yeah, um, I, I do kind of want to ask one finishing question on this though. Um, where does this put Greg? I I think personally for me it leaves him unchanged. In, yeah. In my opinion, um, I I think he did what he needed to do to get ahead of it. I commend him on his statement. Obviously, I don't know him personally. I don't know if those things in the past are true. Any of it. I don't. I can't. I can't speak on that. But I can speak on his coaching decisions on the field. I can speak on the frustrations we've, we've had with him as a manager. You know, he, it is who, what it is. Like, I think he was starting to understand some things later on in the run, but at, at this point we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty much in the same boat as Mitchell with my thoughts. Yeah. I'm pretty, I've been Greg out. I'm still Greg out. This doesn't really change that, but I, ultimately I don't really see 
this affecting too much. I mean, pending the investigation, obviously, if if his statement was more of a half truth than it was anything, then obviously I'd like to see him go. I don't think he should be our coach anymore. But until it's all said and done, I, you know, I don't really have any additional opinions on him. Yeah, I'm in the same boat too. I think if anything, this does make it worse. I guess in terms of coming back to a locker room, I'm not I'm not sure how you deal with all that. Uh, it's a lot of drama, especially after a World Cup. I don't know how you manage that locker room after this point, but yeah, we'll see. Um, let's move on to more positive pastures, guys. The Premier League is back. Um, <clears throat> the the full winter fixtures kind of thick and fast here. Um, first, I do want to talk about kind of the transfer window so far. Um, there's only really been one big signing, and it's Liverpool getting a one done early with Cody Gakpo. So we'll talk about that and then dive into the table and catch up with both yep. me and Mitch and Pat. So Cody Gakpo done to Liverpool. It's about $35 million U.S. dollars, I think, can rise to about fifty. Um, good deal. Not necessarily a priority signing, though, right, Mitch? Not necessarily a, a priority signing, but I think it's a, a good deal to get in where he just had the World Cup he did. Um, I think his club form has been great, and it's a good versatile signing. We can throw in kind of a, a midfield role or, or a forward role um, and and give us kind of a much-needed boost through the injuries that we have in the second half of the season. Yes, especially coming off the left. I think he offers a lot of versatility, probably as a false nine, as a um, as a 10, too. We'll yeah. be interested to see how Klopp really plays him. I think Pep Linder's probably had a lot to do with this signing, just having been Dutch, knowing, knowing a lot about him. Um, 23 years old, kind of going in the peak of his career, and we stuck him right from under the nose of Man United, which is always a pretty big boost. Um, it is funny. It is funny. Made official yesterday too. Yeah. Clear, finally cleared everything. So we'll see if he's on Looking forward um, to seeing. the bench this weekend against Wolves. We uh, there hasn't again, like I said, there hasn't been any other big signings. Enzo Fernandez is the big one that's kind of throwing around right now. Chelsea um, trying to get something under the release clause around eighty-five mil. That has not gone through yet. Um, really, not too much movement in this winter transfer window, and I'm not sure how much there's going to be after this. Man City, were they after a young kid, Pat, or did that go through? I forget. We haven't. We sent a kid out on loan to Blackpool today, but okay. I outside that was like of that, Peroni guy or Perone. I could be wrong. Um, um, yeah, that's like a youth team signing, though. Got it. Got it. So he'll be like an EDS signing for a couple of years, like uh, kind of like what Kaike was. Okay, got it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see us making any moves in the winter. I'd be really surprised if anybody came in. I'd love another midfielder. Um, there's Mateus Nunes from Wolves, who just got signed in August, is one being thrown around right now for about um, six million more than Wolves bought him for. Uh, I don't think Casado's going to happen this winter, and Jude Bellingham's definitely not happening this winter for either Liverpool or City. So, like I said, it seems like a lot of the big pieces are staying. This summer has potential, I think, to be probably a record-shattering transfer window. There's going to be a lot of guys move, especially with this World Cup just being uh, now in the winter. Mm, yeah, because I don't, I don't see Enzo one. moving this this winter either. I think uh, Benfica have already said he's not going anywhere, and we'll talk about it in the summer. Yeah, he's, he's an expensive one. He's only had real six months, kind of, you know, at a top Yeah, 100, $135 million euro release clause. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and just, again, small sample size with him, so we'll see. 
Um, mm. But out of the transfer window, um, we're going to have more on that. Maybe we'll bring back money moves this year. Uh, we'll <laughs> do some strategy talk. But we'll get right into the league table, and we're going to kick it over to Pat because I know he wants to talk about the league leaders, Arsenal. They're top the table by eight points right now. Did drop points to Newcastle the other night, but have looked impressive after this World Cup break. Yeah, uh, I am officially conceding the title. I think they're going to win it. Conceding eight points back? I think they're going to win it, dude. Uh, I don't know. It's It feels different. In the years that City were chasing Liverpool, we were we were right there yeah we were you know we were eight points back but we were we were dropping the games we dropped points in they felt maybe a little more winnable the team that we were chasing didn't the way that you guys played in some games gave me a little bit more hope that we could chase you Mm. this this arsenal team is playing like a hundred point team and and city are not playing like a hundred point team right now um yeah i I just uh, i think defensively we've been a little off this year um i think despite the fact that holland is on 21 premier league goals this year our offense is a little out of rhythm with him not providing as much on the ball as a jesus or even aguero did Mm. under guardiola and i think we have a genuine winger problem Uh, all of our wingers are the same type of player um we're desperately missing someone of like Leroy Sané's profile for, you know, just to cite a past winger. Um, you want Rafael Leao in the summer? I want a winger with pace. I don't <laughs> care who it is. I'll take fucking Dan James. At least he's fast. That's fair. Yeah, I know I want to take Dan James. That was, that's a little bit of hyperbole, but you get what I'm saying. Our winner, our wingers are all the same exact type of player. Um, if I ever have to see Grealish and Mahrez wing pairing again, <laughs> I'm going to have a brain aneurysm. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, City just feel a little wonky. Um, you know, the, the level that City have been at, you know, since Guardiola came in, we're kind of due a little bit of an off year. You know, we had that one his first season, um, and we haven't really sputtered since. So you can't be perfect every year, and, and it, this does just kind of feel like it's going to be a year where we're not going to win it. I could be very wrong. City are very good at, you know, just – winning games uh but it it just feels like arsenal kind of are doing what it takes to win this year you know they drew at newcastle but it very easily could have been one or two nil to arsenal but you know that being said it easily could have been one or two nil to newcastle too which is another team i think we should talk about before we kind of check in with our own teams too because they're another one i think that's really surprising uh the league this year eddie howe has got them playing some unbelievable ball the investments that they made have been really good they bought a lot of smart it players like they made a lot of smart purchases trippier was great business bruno has been an unbelievable signing for them um nick pope yeah nick pope unbelievable too uh the kid they bought from arsenal the striker willock not willock Willock. uh... wilson well wilson's been pretty good too willock it starts with a w He's the forward. He he's been a, a really bad look for the main stand here, but he's been really good too. I think Joe Joe Willock is the one who went to Newcastle from Arsenal. Yeah, him. He's been really good. He yeah. he's been a great player this year for them. And yeah, I, I just I think they have all the necessary pieces to build a really really strong side. And if they get Champions League football and they get that cash injection from from you know securing a top four spot, 
I, I think it, it's a really easy project to sell with how close they already are. And I, I think they've come out and impressed a lot of people. I know in our season predictions, we had them fighting for Europa League and they're a point off of second place right now. Yeah, with one, one loss, which was at the at the death against Liverpool, and they have the lowest goals conceded mark in the league at 11. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty impressive for, again, a team that's had a little bit of cash injection, but not what we thought initially. When we this takeover happened, we thought they were going to spend bags, and they really haven't. Yeah, I, I think this season is just figuring out what they need, and then, yeah. they you know, it's going to be kind of like, uh, like City – 2010 2011 they spent a little bit of money on a ton and then in 2012 they bought a bunch of fucking players and won the league so i i mean i know i'm not saying newcastle are going to win the league next year but i think next year is when you see the big investment when they've addressed the the problem areas in the 11 and on the bench and where they need to strategically make that investment the 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 saudi arabian company or saudi arabian ownership group that came in and, and bought them are spending money wisely yes they're spending money but they're spending it in areas that legitimately improve the side it's not like these takeovers it's not like Bowley, who just came into chelsea and was like 200 million dollars just put it into the team did you see the rumor that if newcastle get top four supposedly because al nassar is also owned by the saudi investment fund uh they're gonna loan ronaldo to newcastle if they finish yeah Eddie Howe did say that is not true. I, but I saw, I did see that as well, but it was a funny rumor while it lasted. He said that he said that Ronaldo just has a clause in his contract where he can move to any Champions League team if he wants to, and if they want him. Great, but way I don't to spend it for clicks. I love. I don't that. know a team in the Champions League that would want Ronaldo right now. That's oh no. Yeah, tough look. We we didn't even he did Ronaldo didn't even make it into the transfer segment. Uh, so, tough look for him. He went to Al Nassar. He's making a bunch of money, and he's going to be used as uh, a pawn Marketing for toy. Saudi Arabia to host the World Cup in 2030 instead of him helping his own country. And Messi's going to do that, too. And it's unfortunate, but it's it's true. Fuck him and his wife's stupid Netflix show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we got we got Man United, Tottenham, and Liverpool. They round <laughs> out the top six. Uh, it's kind of three just like mediocre teams at the moment. Man United, yeah. I mean, they've won three on the bounce. Tottenham's been whatever. Conte seems pretty unhappy there. I mean, the comments he's made, and we have Liverpool, who's been again seems like we are sort of maybe coming out of it. A nice win against Villa. Bayetic comes in, gets a goal, beat Leicester in really weird circumstances, <laughs> and then an absolute fucking stinker against Brentford been abysmal it's been really rough um and i don't i at this point i don't know what it is um the passing's loose the positioning is terrible and uh it it's just it's there's no it there's no way uh i can even see remotely how darwin nunez is worth the money right now he fucking stinks i don't know i I don't know i do i i love i i I love i love sorry i love the drive i love that he is willing to continue to um take chances and and apply pressure but fuck does he have to find the back of the net soon 
That would have been a really good finish, I will say, against uh, the against Brentford. The goal he scored that was disallowed. That was a fucking beautiful goal. What if? Um, yeah, he does need to find the back of the net soon. I do. I will say that I think he was better against Brentford. Actually, I don't think he was. I mean, he was way better than Salah was on the night. Um, he again, he he's making a lot of chances. That explanation and kind of defense is gonna start running out for him here in in the near future. But um. He, he is a positive player, and you have to think the goals are going to fall uh, sooner rather than later for him. I don't think he's our biggest issue, though, honestly. I think, I mean, Ox on the left is tough. I think he, again, was one of our better players against Brentford, which is crazy to say in 2023. Yeah. And then you have a midfield that's getting pulled by the likes of Harvey Elliott, uh, and I don't want to pick at him either because he's 19, shouldn't be have to, he shouldn't have to play in the midfield every week. Um, but our midfield is just ran so thin and the defense is miscombobulated. Allison's kind of keeping as many goals as out of the back of the net as he can. It, it just seems like everything's going against us right now. And like Mitch mm-hmm. said, I have no idea how to, how to fix it. That's up to Klopp. Um, a couple of players I wouldn't mind just not seeing again are, are Nabi Kaita. <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's gonna go in the summer. You have to think. And uh, and and to be quite frank, Ox, it, it's tough that he's put in the position that he is in. Uh, but we've we've heard he's on the way out for a year and a half now, and he doesn't get the minutes that it takes to have the amount of success it takes to to win us these games. He he's just not getting getting enough minutes and to be thrown in after major ACL injury this this late in his career like he's just getting his 100th uh reds appearance and and it's it's frustrating that we have to rely on that and I'm hoping having Gakpo come in will allow maybe him to play more centrally and we'll see Darwin out on the left a little bit more um moving forward once he's integrated into the team but we're we're just injury prone again this year um Say what you want about injuries too, but I mean, you can't say there wasn't enough talent on the field to beat Brentford. I mean, we have no, there was plenty. Rolls Royce defense, and it's just absolute sack of shit. Virgil is definitely tired, and I don't think he's been the same player since since his injury. And he's going to be out for a while. It looks like with the hammy. So, yep, Um, went out at half against Brentford, and now we're. We're down to Nat Phillips, Joe Gomez, and Joel Matip, and Ibu Kanate, who hasn't um, hasn't really proven himself yet. Well, I think he had a bad game against Brentford. It's his first game back. I think, I think he'll yeah. come around, but um, we'll see. I don't know. Pat, do you have any thoughts on where Liverpool are? No, I guess more of a question for you guys. Do you think this is something that can be fixed in, in one summer window, or – are you guys going to be in a bit of a rebuild for the next couple of years, kind Ooh. of getting your squad back to where it needs to be? And also, I know, Josh, you mentioned that it's something that Klopp is going to have to figure out. Do you think he can with the personnel that he has, or is this a case where he you really need a refresh for, for something to really start going right? It's a good question. I, I think uh... – I had a lot of the same concerns um, a couple years ago, the COVID year when Allison's header kind of got us top four. 
Um, that was a lot worse. I think we lost like five home games in a row. That that the lows of that season were lower than they are right now. I'll say that. Um, so we'll kind of see how the rest of the season goes. I, I don't think it's going to be completely fixed in that just one window because I think ultimately you need a few midfielders with Ox and Kaita leaving. Um, just in terms of like a depth chart, if there were a few midfielders to get injured, you'd be really, really, really thin. So you probably need three guys. If one of them is Jude Bellingham, you're talking about a $200 million window, which I just don't see John Henry doing, especially I know they're separate businesses, but um, after shelling out $330 million tonight to Rafael Devers for the Red Sox, it's hard to see him just like splashing more cash on Liverpool. Um, so I don't know. Again, it's like impossible to predict these things. Um but I still trust Jurgen. My trust in Jurgen never dwindles. It's more so um, of the ownership. I've always thought Jurgen's made a lot of what FSG have given him, and I'm just hoping that can continue um, with more investment in the summer. I would agree with that. It's just uh, it's a trying time. I think it it I think it really depends on if they do sell the club. And how fast that transition happens. Um, I think. I think it depends a lot on. Can we stay healthy moving forward? Um, and. You know. How fast are these young players going to to develop? If we're, if we're having. 10 appearances out of Ben Doak and Bacetic this year out of a out of a injury riddled season like you're throwing teenagers into the Liverpool midfield mix so fast to me that feels i guess i'm kind of tracking back to my statements when mané left like we're leaning toward a rebuild we're still trying to figure out this new shape we're still trying to figure out this this new formation and we're doing it with like four midfielders and and three forwards right now and it's it's really leaning to me toward a a rebuild and if that's the case we're going to have to have a 200 million dollar window to turn it around i get i i guess so uh, it's tough though like you say as much as you want about like a new formation and stuff we've played a 4-3-3 ever since we got back from the world cup and harvey elliott's the box to box guy i mean i love harvey but he's he's 19 years old why is he playing that role every single game and you can tell our social media manager to clip this all the fucking teenagers on twitter who fucking raved about genie wijnaldum and were happy when he left the club you can all fucking literally I don't know. I miss Jeannie Wijnaldum. I would kill for Jeannie Wijnaldum. Thank you for pausing there before you said statements to teenagers yeah, on the internet. Redacted. Thank you. Social media manager, I just clipped that for us when you get a chance. Okay, Thanks. That. <laughs> um, before moving on to City, I actually do I, – I do think there are a couple other places on the table, maybe just teams to gloss over. I, I think – we spend a lot of time talking about our respective clubs, which is fair. Yeah. It's probably the yeah. teams we watch the most. But there are a couple teams just to kind of shout out here. First, we'll we'll shout out the Stinky. Um, 
Wolverhampton are in 19th place with 14, only 14 points, a negative 16 goal differential for a team that's usually hailed on their defensive stability. They look like relegation candidates this year. They look fucking terrible. Throw yeah. Lester in the, the stinky pot, too. They, Lester in 13th. They've better. climbed up a little bit. A team that I knew from the jump was getting fucking relegated. The bottom four is quite funny in general. West Ham, Everton, Wolves, and Southampton. But South, <laughs> yeah, we had I had Everton very high in my season prediction, and we all had West Ham very high in our season prediction. So Wolves no one's funny. Wolves is tough though, because like when you lose Connor Cody, uh, I didn't expect that at the beginning of the season, and they also lost Morgan Gibbs White, who seemed like their only yeah. decent attacker now. Uh, Eight Nori is like playing striker. I mean, I watched the actually the last twenty minutes against Villa tonight, and they were really lucky to leave Birmingham with a point. Mm. Villa is another team we should quickly touch on. Uh, it's, it's six undefeated under Emery now. Yeah, Unai Ball is fucking here. He looks like he's turning the ship around there for sure. He's he's got them almost in a top ten position. They're three points behind Chelsea. Who are in ten? <laughs> Chelsea's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we can talk about them in a second. Um, the promoted teams playing really, really well. Fulham specifically. Fulham in seventh place after the World Cup break heading into this congested winter fixture. A team that's surprising everyone. They are a very, very good side. They're not I mean, I had them me. staying up, but I did not have them in the top ten. I've been unbelievably impressed with Fulham. Shout out Tim Ream. Gets a new contract and scores his first Premier League goal. Love him. Um and yeah, I've been really impressed with Leeds too. I think Jesse Marsh is going to keep them up. The American boys have been falling there. Tyler Adams came back from the World Cup, put on a great show in that nil-nil they played against Newcastle the other day. He's so um, sick. I, just, I love I, him. I don't want to interrupt you, but Tyler Adams is so sick. He's amazing. I love him. I think he's a super, super good player. Um, Brentford, Brighton as well, rounding out, you know, the other two teams in the top 10 with Chelsea, they Brighton under their new manager. They, they, they look like they don't miss Graham Potter at all. A little bit of a rocky start under him, but they had to play like city and someone else right off the bat. Yeah. They just lost four two to Arsenal, but you know, outside of the games against the big guys, they're playing really well against the little dudes and they're putting up a pretty good fight against a majority of the big teams. You know, they, they looked at Chelsea and said, we don't need you Graham. And they beat the shit out of them when they came back home. So I'm impressed with Brighton as well, too. I'd like to see the fact that Potter hurt them a lot less than we thought initially. Yeah. Leaving, it's good to see the new manager already kind of immediately implementing his philosophy and and playing a pretty similar style to Potter. So it was relatively easy for the players to kind of adapt to that. So that's good to see. Um, And yeah, I think that's about it. I just wanted to make sure that we touched on a chunk of the table before just covering our two teams here. Um, Lamps is going to get the sack this weekend. <laughs> Cross my hopefully. fingers. I think, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice if we just beat, if City just beat him last weekend and got him sacked. But, you know, we can talk about them now for a little bit. Uh, yeah, go for it. Second place, a point above Newcastle with two games to play. So I, I, don't, I don't see us dropping there. Play Chelsea tomorrow with day of recording Wednesday. So, by the time this episode has come out, we will have played Chelsea. So I'm not going to make a prediction for that game. Just know I'm confident. Um, but yeah, I mean, Holland and De Bruyne is a cheat code. That's kind of been the only thing winning us games this entire year. Holland is still probably going to win the golden boot and smash the goals record, but 
outside of that, I don't, I don't see us going. I, I just don't see us winning the title this year. I, I just think Arsenal are a little bit more complete. I think Arteta's got them playing really well. Um, I mean, that being said, if City beat Arsenal twice, it's a very open title race, right? We actually go top if we beat them twice. We're ahead by a point. So I, I do think those two games are going to ultimately decide the title if the teams continue to play the way that they've been playing. Um, yeah, we haven't really had a, a consistent back four all year. I think that's been another kind of one of our pain points. Our fullbacks haven't either been fitter or been in form. Rico Lewis has started the last two Premier League games. Who I love. I love Rico Lewis. I think in a couple of years he's going to be the guy to replace Walker. He's he's rapid. He's 19 years old and he's already playing in that really confusing inverted fullback role that Pep has Cancelo playing. He, he looks like he belongs in the side. So that's going to be another academy kid that you see in and around City's first team in the next couple of years. And, and I think really we'll take that Foden path to becoming a bona fide starter in this side by the time he's like 21, 22. I, I think we're treating him the way that we treated Foden. And I think we're doing it right. We're not loaning him out. We're letting him play with the, with the first team and we're developing him. You know, there's no better place for him to be than in and around the city first team, even if he's not getting consistent minutes, but the fact that he's already started two champions league games, a couple of games in the league, and he's shown that he, you know, fits in perfectly with this team, doesn't miss a beat, plays pretty well. So it's, it's encouraging to see those, those signs from a player who's so young. Um, I want Riyad Mahrez gone, unfortunately. <laughs> I love Riyad, but he's just not, not the same player that he was in the past couple of years, um, carried us in, the, in some Champions League runs, and, and I really do think he's been a great player for us, but I just, I just desperately think City need a winger with some pace to, you know, get back to the way they were. We need a, a winger that offers something different. We don't really have that right now, and the width suffers from that. Um, you know, those 100-point titty, the, titty, titty teams, titty teams, <laughs> Those hundred point city teams that we saw and that ninety eight point city team in the first time we went back to back, um, it was Sane and Sterling making the pitch as wide as humanly possible for De Bruyne and Aguero and players like that to run into. Uh, I think we kind of lose some of that um, partially because Holland doesn't really get involved in the buildup. Um, the dude's a walking brace; he scores an abhorrent, a horrid amount of goals. I wouldn't change him. For a player in the world, I think he's the best number nine in world football right now. But I, I just think he, the minute he gets a little more involved in the buildup where he can add that to his game, whether it's just like a flicked on header or gets a little, like marginally more comfortable with the ball at his feet, I, I, I think he, you know, completes the side. And I think he will get that in his game. He's young enough where he can very easily add one more dynamic to his game, which is just being a little better with the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I'm pretty happy with the way City have been playing and maybe they'll prove me wrong and win the title. It's all going to come down to those two games against Arsenal. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You'll have to root for us. Um, I believe at Anfield. Yeah. I think we've I'm think i rooting for everyone that plays Arsenal that isn't Man United. <laughs> um, I believe it's an FA Cup weekend, boys, correct? Yep. Last Premier League game is tomorrow, City-Chelsea, and then FA Cup weekend. FA Cup weekend. Um, stay in tune with the podcast. Uh, I think we're going to probably be back around the zoo maybe a couple times here in the winter. Um, Absolutely. We'll, we'll do a snowball around. game. I'll put the bibs on, go hang out at the zoo. 
Yeah. Definitely in the spring when it gets into crunch time, I'm going to be right there talking shit to Bird when City play Arsenal. Yeah, I said fuck that. I'm not going when there's snow on the ground. Uh, hey, I'll be there. I'll be there in February when City play Arsenal, and I fucking hope Bird's working. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's the podcast, though, boys. Yeah, that's that's episode Season twenty. Episode twenty. Episode that's 20. a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Like, share, favorite. Comment, subscribe, tell a friend to listen. Uh, yeah. Deuces. Peace. Peace.